Welcome to Dermatologically Tested, the podcast of the British Association of Dermatologists. Today's episode is all about adolescent skin. It's going to be a proper good subject, I think, to cover. I mean, we've all been adolescents at some point in our life. And uh, I imagine that the conversation will naturally lean towards acne, but there are plenty of other skin conditions that we will cover in this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be hopefully really interesting, really useful. We all know how difficult adolescence can be and how your skin just never seems to, never quite Do what does you what want you want it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> never quite does what you want it to. No, not at all. So it's going to be really good to dig into that. And, and it's also just a really tricky time, I think, with peers and Hormones. things. Yeah, <laughs> things can be difficult. I think, you know, you know, people can be quite cruel to adolescence. And, oh, absolutely. And also, you know, there's so much pressure about how you look and... Um, I certainly think you go from childhood where there's no real expectation in terms of presentation and to suddenly possibly the most, the most important <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. The most pressurized time in your life for something yeah, like that. Definitely. So yeah, it'd be really good to chat about this. So uh, perhaps without further ado, we'll meet our guests. Our guest today is Dr. Tess McPherson, Clinical Lead, Paediatric and Adolescent Dermatology and Senior Clinical Lecturer at Oxford University Hospitals. She's also the author of How to Be Comfortable in Your Skin, an evidence-based practical guide for young people, which will be published later this year by Oxford University Press. Tess, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm really interested to find out more about this subject and I guess uh, we'll just get right to it. Why are um, adolescents more susceptible to dermatological issues? Um, so adolescence, sort of the time from starting puberty, going through puberty, um, through your teens and 20s, is a time of massive physical, uh, emotional, mental change. Um, it's also a time when there's a big focus on how you look, your appearance and importance of acceptance. So skin conditions are really common in this group and it's also a time when you can be quite vulnerable to coping or having a skin condition. Yeah, definitely. I think, I'm, I think that's a really important point to raise. I mean, I think lots of people will be familiar with that tricky period where things just don't seem to go. Your body doesn't quite do what you want it to do. And, you know, I think peers can be quite quite cruel sometimes. But um, so it's really good to talk about. In terms of the most common problems that teenagers tend to have with their skin, and we're talking about teenagers, aren't we here? Is that be, it would actually be good to clarify what sort of age group this tends to start at? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's really variable. We know that the age of puberty is quite variable, but it seems to be happening a bit earlier than it used to. And probably the period that sort of medically is called adolescence, I mean, it's it's probably defined best as going starting puberty until the time you're an independent adult. And, you know, that's changed as well over the past few decades because people are getting married, having children and leaving home later for various reasons. So it's not really age specific. It's kind of developmentally specific, but it is a time of kind of big hormonal flux and lots of life changes. So, you know, the age is not completely specific, but probably covers from, you know, 10, 11, right? through to the mid-20s. Oh, that's really interesting. I think that's that's, yeah, that that's good to clear up as well because, yeah, it's very easy to, to sort of have a fixed period. I mean, I, I suppose everybody draws on their own experience in a way and sort of pictures, you know, how, how they were at a certain age. But in terms of the common dermatological complaints that people have, the issues that people have with their skin, what are the, the sort of most significant or the most common? So 
really common. I mean, everyone will know this is spots and this is to do with hormonal sort of pubertal changes. And, and nearly every teenager gets um, spots or, you know, more severe spots or acne to some degree. And and again, in, in females, this can last into their 20s. But it, we, you know, most people recognise that your teens is a time when you get spots. So probably, you know, almost 100% of people will have spot prone skin or spots in this time. I think other really important conditions are things like eczema, which a lot of people expect to grow out of, but we know that doesn't happen. And that can be really troublesome to have eczema on going into your teens. And, you know, a significant proportion of, of young people will have eczema, you know, 15, 20%. But the other really important conditions are the sort of lifelong conditions that you might have all through your life that develop at, at this vulnerable age. And that includes things like alopecia, vitiligo, psoriasis and hydroadenitis. So lots, and you know, although there's a less common, so sort of two, three percent of young people, that's still a really important time to be getting a skin condition which you might have to cope with or deal with, you know, for a longer time. That's really interesting that uh, those like lifelong conditions tend to they can develop during those sort of that sort of age period. And um, what sort of advice would you not typically give those uh, people? Because like we've talked about, it's such a vulnerable age. So it, it does really depend on the skin condition, and I guess that's why you know those acne there's lots of there's lots of good treatments and I know that you've done podcasts already on this subject and eczema I think it's about sort of getting on top of something you might have had for a while or might have been better but has got worse and really just making sure you know this age is a time of like getting more in control of yourself and more in control of your skin so getting the information you need trying to be involved and engaged in your your own kind of skincare so that that will be important for any condition but I think getting used to the idea that you might have a more chronic condition can be really difficult and does require getting the right kind of support medically but also emotionally um dealing with other people but dealing with de- dealing with yourself those are all really important aspects to to focus on yeah absolutely i mean we have touched upon acne before in previous episodes but it'd be good just to talk a little bit about the sort of spectrum of acne because obviously it does sort of range from you know a handful of spots if, if you're lucky to what can be a, a much more severe condition that can actually have a huge impact on your self-esteem I mean not to say that the the severity of acne is always tied to the impact on your self-esteem it can be very mild and have a big impact and, and vice versa but at what point you know in terms of the advice for teenagers what is the sort of process that they should be moving through going from you know self-care through to sort of it being a genuine medical issue that requires speaking to a gp or, or whatever it may be well i think you're completely right matt it doesn't it doesn't necessarily depend on how bad it is it is how bad it is for you so you know always trying to get that in, into perspective and working out you know what you think is normal as in what you see on social media or you know more publicly is is you know is is not always normal so it is normal to get a few spots and is and that's absolutely fine and you don't necessarily have to do much more than just do sort of a very basic skincare regime and i think some of the important myths are that it's not you know, people don't get spots because they've got dirty skin or they're not looking after themselves better well or they have a bad diet or they're particularly stressed. And that really goes for all skin conditions. Although, you know, there are benefits to, you know, eating a healthy diet and um, and trying to be healthy, you don't get a skin condition through anything you've done wrong or not done right. And I think that's a really important thing, the amount of young people who will think it's their fault, even if they don't clearly express that. And, and so that's a you know, really important thing I focus on in my clinic. But in terms of how to you know, how to take your acne, um, you know, keeping your face clean, some sort of regime for just washing your face is important. But absolutely, you can wear makeup. You don't have to not wear makeup. Uh, in terms of diet, 
keep having a healthy diet is is good but people with very healthy diets can still get spots and there is some work that high dairy diets and what we call high glycemic diets that's kind of high fat sugar diets can make some people more spot prone but but generally you know those are things that, that might, might not change everyone's skin and they might not have a, a massive benefit so if you've if you've got spots that are causing problems even if it's just causing problems to you, then it's always worth getting some advice. But certainly if you've got deep under the skin spots, cystic spots, spots that are causing scarring, then there are, you know, really effective treatments that can be got on prescription from your GP or possibly from dermatology. That's, yeah, that's Brilliant. great to know. I mean, you touched on like routines uh, there in that answer. But is there sort of any uh, advice that you would normally give to adolescents in general when they are trying to take care of their skin? Are there any routines you sort of suggest or or anything that they should avoid actively? Yeah, because I think this is really interesting because I think particularly for adolescents who are perhaps, this is maybe the first time in their life, you know, they're starting to use deodorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never mm-hmm. really... the the concept of a skincare routine is not something that they've they've ever had to think about i mean are there yeah some basic tips would be fantastic find something that's relatively simple that you can keep doing and isn't going to be a massive massive issue and so if you don't if you have a day when you're busy it doesn't work out and that goes again for any skin condition it's not the end of the world and all skin is, is different, so it will depend on the type of skin you've got, whether you've got kind of more skin that tends to dryness, whether you've got really greasy skin. Um, so you're, you're going to have to find products, and there are absolutely loads available. So it's hard to be really specific, but I would say that buying something really expensive is not going to be any more beneficial for the most part. And making sure that, you know, if you have got active ingredients, that you're getting them from somewhere that you know, has the right amount of active ingredients to actually be effective. So any, any wash product that, that suits you, and again, there are you know, plenty available and they, they generally are you know, labelled quite usefully. So if you go into any kind of chemist, there will be, there will be certain that will be you know, for, more suitable for spot-prone skin. And a lot of the products that are labelled non-comedonic will, again, be helpful if you're kind of someone that's more spot-prone. The other important thing about most, most spot treatment or acne treatment is they generally work to prevent spots, not treat spots. So they do have to be used to some degree ongoing to spot prone areas to try and make you less spot prone going into sort of into the future. And I think that's a common kind of misunderstanding is that you just dab them onto the actual spots, whereas really they're best used to all your spot prone skin on a kind of ongoing basis. But even if you can only do that a couple of nights a week, that's going to be, you know, probably help or or beneficial. There is obviously a huge market targeting teenagers and young people. And I do sort of see articles talking about this and conversations online talking about how the pressure to engage with you know using cosmetics and anti-aging treatments sort of starting earlier and earlier and earlier I, i i guess my question is is this something that adolescents should be worrying about that much i mean do they need to moisturize regularly but you know do they need to do anything beyond that I mean, you know, it is it's a really good time to get into some sort of healthy healthy habits because we know that if you if you get into healthy habits in your teens, they're likely to last you a lifetime. So yeah, keeping your skin moisturised can certainly help it from dryness, from abuse. So just one one simple moisturiser, and probably if you have particularly if you have fair skin that can get um, you know that's prone to more prone to kind of aging but we're talking hopefully into the future then you know getting some protection to some degree or not getting sunburned is really important and smoking uh, you know not smoking so smoking is something which we know ages your skin really more than anything else so those if, if those so moisturize some protection to some degree or not at least not getting sunburned and not using sunbeds 
and avoiding smoking are probably three really kind of lifelong healthy habits you can do for your skin. Um, but I agree, I think it's really worrying if people are, are thinking about anti-aging treatments when, when they're not, you know, not yet old. And um, you, you just, um, you, you would be concerned if people, and we, and we do know that, for instance, people wanting plastic surgery, people wanting Botox is, is coming, becoming younger and younger. And, you know, that doesn't feel like a very healthy move because, yes, look after your skin, yes, manage your skin as well as you can, but trying to do really quite, probably unnecessary and quite dramatic things to your skin really don't seem necessary for that for this age group i think that's a great message the lifestyle changes if if that's something you're concerned about then then you've really got to focus on the lifestyle changes and i'm always happy when a guest mentions mentions sun protection i try and get it into almost every podcast so yeah (laughs) use sun protection (laughs) perfect i was gonna say um i mean i remember back in school like even when I was in school and this was before like I mean we had social media but like not to the extent that we have social media now I remember girls in my my class in like year 10 talking about anti-aging cream and I was like um <laughs> I don't think we need to I don't think we need I to do that <laughs> sort of a loss but, of innocence isn't it but you know yeah. really, it, it's, it's always going to be a personal choice but you know you can do more to protect your skin and get into good habits than mm. than start using things which you know if if needed at all shouldn't be kind of considered until you're a bit older i would say i know that teenagers are sort of kind of obsessed well they are well mostly obsessed <laughs> with like tiktok and yeah. and you know those the fads and mm. stuff that sort of seem to kick mm. off have you seen any that you're like oh no don't be doing that or well, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there are plenty of websites devoted to squeezing spots and pimple popping and things. And um, that's probably, I mean, they're, they're good to watch. They're probably a little bit careful to <laughs> be a bit careful with your own skin. Uh, I mean, if you've got a really large kind of pussy spot, then it's probably okay to squeeze it. But generally picking at very small spots or trying to get rid of every little blemish on your skin is just going to lead to problems, both for your, you know, your mental state and also for your skin. So picking and squeezing everything tiny will just lead to more chances of, of potential marks and scars. But it is really important to stress that acne can scar even if you don't touch it. Again, the number of patients that come in and go, I honestly don't touch my skin, I don't squeeze it, but it, you know, I'm getting scars. And so it's, it's removing that kind of blame because you can, you can, you can look after your skin as as well as anyone can you can still be spot prone you can still get spots you can still get scarring so yeah, there are some simple things but generally again over treating picking squeezing those things are probably not that helpful and there's a lot of really good stuff you know there's a, there's a, a guy on tiktok who nearly all of my patients have seen who who does actually give quite sensible advice um he's not sort of pharma sponsored and he he does you know give individual advice to young people and i know they can find that sort of support really helpful and you know, from each from each other as well, they often share tips and tricks which they've found helpful. But it is important to remember your skin is going to be different from other people's, and what works for them might not be perfect for you. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's it's it is important with in a world of sort of social media where you know there can be trends or there can be tips and stuff. Just uh, I think that's a good way of getting sort of support and advice. I guess like fact checking some some hacks would be good for teenagers. I think it's really great that there are like dermatologists who are really fantastic at giving advice. But then some of the more faddy trends that I've seen like 
people put tea bags all over their face and stuff like that. I think for teenagers, it's probably good to like, before they go and do stuff that they see online, just do a Google and make sure that it's okay to do or safe to do for your skin, would you say? Yeah, and I and I think there is, there's so much stuff out there and it is trying to kind of get through it and know what to trust. And that is a process that we all have to do with the internet. And, and it is, there will be a lot of things that are selling themselves as, as one, you know, anything that sort of claims to be a miracle or a wonder, I would be a bit suspicious of. So yes, you definitely would want to, you know, the information is there. So, but there are more trusted sites and there are more, you know, there are probably less and they're probably more faddy kind of advice that may well have absolutely no facts behind it at all. So yeah, anything that claims to be a miracle, anything that's wanting to charge you a lot of money, I'd be deeply suspicious of because these things don't, you know, but again, cheap things like tea bags or some of the things I hear are also probably not very evidence-based. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, you know, if you find something that helps you and it's not costing you too much money and it's helping you in any way, then I, I don't think it's it's the end of the world. But yeah, there are, there are certainly a lot of things that would not be advisable. Yeah, I think that's sensible, sensible advice and is a realistic way of looking at it. You know, we can't expect teenagers to be trawling through academic journals to... <laughs> to fact check things they see on tiktok but um take things with a pinch of salt have a skeptical approach some healthy skepticism anyway i would say is sensible and you know any extraordinary claims they probably need to be evidenced so we've talked quite a bit about social media but i think it's really important it'd be good to just get your views on on how you think social media has impacted the view that teenagers and adolescents have about their own skin and do you have thoughts in terms of is there it's maybe asking quite a lot of you to to answer this but do you think there's there's more that could be done by social media platforms to protect young people I mean, definitely there's more that, that can, I mean, social media has, has positives as well as negatives. And I think that's, that's important to remember. I mean, we've already just talked about the fact that people can access really useful information and really useful support through social media. I mean, I think there are clear negatives. It's certainly somewhere where young people see an abnormal sense of normal. So they think that skin should look a certain way, which, which even if they know it isn't true, if that's keep continually coming at you and everyone else is posting these pictures of perfect skin, it can make you feel that your skin isn't perfect. And I think there's certainly a, a sense of a, how your image should be and that can be exhausting and can make you feel very vulnerable um, because you have to sort of project this perfect life and perfect skin. And we know it is a place where people with skin conditions of all sorts can get mean comments and that's not helpful at all. And we also, as we've discussed, it's a place that can be some really false information. I would say just to sort of stress some some positives as, as well as the sources of good quality information if you can work out where to get it. And a lot of young people are actually very good at navigating this these areas. So they do, you know, they do find reliable and trustworthy sources and they do find support. And it's also, there are really good support, actual sort of resources there. So some of the charities um, have really good resources. I was involved in something called Health Talk, which is young people talking about their experiences of, of skin disease. So you can just access other people's experiences quite easily. And I know a lot of people can also use it as a way to project their own image. So we have lots of examples of people with skin conditions who use social media to just say, look, I've got alopecia and I'm okay. And that's really helpful for, for them and for other people. What can social media do? I mean, we have to remember that they work to make their platforms addictive and we are kind of their product. And I think as long as, you know, they're not going to stop doing that. So that's one thing they could stop doing would be to stop making it's such a, a kind of addictive place to spend time on. But as long as you recognise that's kind of what they're doing and then you have a say in whether they do that to you and how you spend your time on it, then I think you can 
control that a little bit better. They probably should respond to any reports of cyberbullying more quickly. And I think that probably is a, something they, they should do. I mean, again, as you said, it's a difficult thing for me to answer particularly, and it does kind of realm into the politics. But I think removing people being able to say mean things anonymously as well would be something which would stop a lot of kind of mean comments for all types of things, but, you know, in, including people with, with skin conditions. But we can all kind of understand our, our role in social media and try and educate ourselves so we use it in a positive rather than negative way. I absolutely agree with that. I think, yeah, I think the challenge uh, you know around moderation and stuff like that are, are, mm. are really complicated and it's hard for it's beyond the scope of this podcast to, <laughs> to perhaps delve delve into that but I definitely think that individuals should do what they can to make social media a, a positive place rather than a negative place and and go in with their eyes open and you know there's just be mindful that there is misinformation out there but there's also as you say some brilliant sources of information i think you you mentioned some of the groups where people can talk amongst themselves and share experiences and i think that's really helpful for patients i think the benefit of you know sometimes not not always talking to an expert but actually talking to somebody Mm. who's experienced the condition firsthand is really helpful and obviously you know the bad has patient information leaflets which answer a lot of questions the british skin foundation has lots of information uh the nhs digital uh on their websites also have lots of good information so that there's there are plenty of sources for things like this it's about i, I suppose keep people keeping their eyes open and and yeah and so not just learning which bits to use but when to use it as well so it's not helpful to be on your phone all night we know that getting a good night's sleep is really important for your health and your skin so just knowing when to turn it off and when knowing when to spend time doing other things which can also make you feel good you know and we know that one of the big impacts of spending a lot of time on social media or on devices is that you you lose out on time to do other things sort of outside activities exercise things which can also positively impact your health so it's sort of knowing when to do it when to not do it and what what you find helpful um so kind of owning your time on it and and your profile on it because as you said that you know showing sharing your experiences showing your vulnerabilities that's a sort of sort of it's a form of strength and it can be a really important place for sort of true connections but it's also a place where you can get you know bad connections and bad advice so it's about balancing it yeah definitely why do you think it is so important to talk to teenagers and adolescents about their skin? I mean, I think it's something we know, I know, you know, we all remember something you think about a lot. So it's just making that area open for them. And we also know that young people don't always feel comfortable seeking medical help. And so I always tell health workers that you know it can be a big deal for them to go and ask for help and advice so that you know you really want to make that somewhere they can speak comfortably and to be sort of non-judgmental about their concerns but also if if they have got you know as Matt said very very few spots but they're very worried about them also putting that into a, a kind of a real place and um, remembering that you know that that normal is not completely unblemished with with never having a spot or, or a patch of dry skin so it's it's sort of um making sure that that young people can express their concerns making sure they know there are effective treatments for most skin conditions um and also addressing the impact it has on them so understanding that that any skin condition can have a big impact and it's not necessarily how severe it is but often it, it will be but understanding that that's that's the side that has to be addressed as well looking after yourself working how how to be sort of mentally kind of comfortable as well as as well as physically comfortable in your skin yeah i mean i think one of the things that i feel i you know i could be wrong but it, it anecdotally it feels to me like we're making progress around is maybe that there's there's less um obsession with people not appearing vain i remember for me growing up i i definitely felt this sort of competing pressures of 
wanting to look good but not wanting to appear vain and I think that it's really easy when you're young to think you're not going to be taken seriously if something is particularly if it's if not that it's something might be purely cosmetic but if there's a cosmetic element to it that's making you unhappy so like spots that may be a medical issue but also has a Mm. cosmetic presentation that affects how you look it can be really challenging asking for help and you know not wanting to appear overly vain or you know, not wanting people to make jokes at your expense about, you know, oh, you know, are you chasing girls or whatever it may be. Um, um, you know, I do think it's good that actually perhaps people are less afraid of, of that side of things. But I do think it's still a, a, a pressure, uh, a competing pressure mm. with this need to look good. And not like look like you care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good looking is the yeah. That's the, That's what think, people are aiming think, for. But it's it's an impossible task. I think it is, but I think it is a really positive movement. But I think also, you know, if you there is something very there is something attractive about about someone that that doesn't care so much, and I think that that does show that the importance of not getting not being too hard on yourself really. So finding out things that you enjoy doing that might not be completely focused on your your visual appearance and and working out how that can also make you feel good and that can Mm. generally make you more yeah more okay with any sort of bits of skin issues that you're dealing with absolutely and one thing we we want to touch upon is within the the sort of medical setting do you think there's a need for specialist adolescent services or do you think that's something that you know can equally be served by sort of generalist services i I think you know whether you have specialist services or not you have to appreciate and understand that this is a time of life which is really different from both paediatrics children and adults so and I I think specialist services can certainly fill that need appropriately if they're designed well and there was some really interesting work done on a a renal clinic about 15 years ago where they set up they were because these are these are young people that were having have kidney transplants and they set up a specialist clinic for this age group because they were seeing a lot of them we're not engaging with the health services, we're not taking their medications, we're actually then having to, you know, rejecting these these organ transplants. So they set up a specialist service and this specialist service, which had kind of support for this age group, completely reduced the rejection of organs. So that was, you know, a really clear way of measuring just how, how a specialist service could have, you know, massive impact. It's kind of a little bit more tricky to measure it in some other specialties, but we, we know that, that it really can have a positive impact. And certainly in dermatology, it's something that I've been developing and is now more kind of nationally being being sort of developed nationally are sort of clinics which do sort of serve this age group more specifically. Um, And we are seeing sort of good outcomes. And again, like you said, Harriet, a sort of space where young people can be listened to, not just for their skin problems, but for their emotional problems. Mm. Um, We did some work looking at the interviews on the website I talked about called Health Talk picking out some of the messages young people had for health workers and the two whatever skin condition you were struggling with the two really strong messages that came out from what they wanted from health workers would provide more information and to address the emotional impact so I think you know even if you don't have a designated service as long as you can do those two things as long as you can give appropriate developmentally appropriate information on a skin condition and making sure that you're understanding this will have an emotional impact and addressing it in some way then that seems really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, the, the emotional impact, I think, is is such an important part of any skin problem or skin condition or skin complaint as a teenager or going into your like early mid-20s. I know that I've definitely had problems with acne myself in my te- mm. teenage years. And yeah, like the emotional impact and like you don't 
I kind of like what Matt said as well. You're like, am I being vain or is, is this normal? Is this amount of acne normal or, or is this actually acne? Um, and like, I mean, it is hard uh, to sort of feel comfortable talking about it. Uh, but the fact that obviously people are now like, like we talked about the benefits of like social media, mm. they do, you do, they do have these groups where people can talk about it and like compare pictures. I know there are a lot of influencers who have acne and they, they take pictures of their face like fully makeup free uh, about being sort of acne positive and all that. And it is just really like reassuring to see. Um, so that part of it and like being more open and having an open dialogue uh, with other people online and also your parents or or a medical professional, I think that's so important. Yeah, and it often just feels better to to, to say that it's bothering you. And um, then <laughs> that's, that's a sort of start to trying to make it, you know, to do what you can to help or realise what things are less, you know, are just aspects of you and your skin that you have to kind of, you know, not not accepting a kind of accepting unacceptable things but accepting that that we're, that we're all different that normal skin is not one thing and that we can we can exist in many different types of skins and then again the normally the person that's that's cruelest is the, is is you yourself and you're the one that's normally the meanest to you and has the high expectations mm-hmm. of you and your skin than anyone else will. I, yeah i absolutely agree with that and you know you're always going to be the first one that notices notices a blemish or whatever it may be and you know something that's really obvious to you because you're standing right in front of the mirror looking closely and carefully it's just not going to be necessarily always going to be obvious to other people uh though obviously there are there, there is severe skin disease and, and there is a spectrum absolutely the other thing that that it's good to maybe talk about is i suppose my only concern with couching this episode is mm. about adolescent skin is that i do like to challenge sometimes this idea that these you know something like acne or whatever it may be i mean we've t- discussed about the fact that, that adolescence can often be a time where you first start to have problems with it that might be chronic uh might last the rest of your life but i also think things like acne we often sort of see them as a condition which affects adolescence and the problem with that i suppose is that it sets people up to feel really bad when it doesn't go away as they get older and you know i think you know something like acne can definitely go into your 20s and your 30s and you know particularly in women it can reoccur later in life oh completely so yeah it'd be good to get your your views on that i completely agree and i think it's a little bit like eczema you know and i think if people have expectations it's just something they're going to have in their childhood and then it's hanging around in their adolescence which we know is 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 common um then they'll feel they've done something wrong or that, that there is something wrong and they'll and also they'll you'll feel kind of angry because it's not what you expect to happen and the same with acne although the, the, the majority of spots or acne are worse in teenage years and particularly for males as you said it can be something which carries on and i think that's doubly disappointing because you feel like you're dealing with other things as you get into your 20s 30s and then you've still got spots which you should have had to hopefully you've got rid of in your teens and we know again that that's not the case that there's a significant proportion of people will still be spot prone into their 20s and 30s and maybe for life so yeah it is it is important to understand that although these skin conditions have certain impacts at certain ages they are not always defined to those age groups and a lot mm. of them will continue beyond frustratingly and disappointingly yeah sadly life isn't quite so neat as to compartmentalize everything <laughs> We do know that, that the public uh, can be really unpleasant and unfair to people with skin conditions. And there is, there is a sort of stigma that does come from other people. And I think it's, it is diff- that can be really difficult to deal with. You know, part of your podcast, part of the work is to kind of highlight skin conditions and how 
you know, as as a as a public, we should be kind of kinder to people with skin diseases. And and again, some of the sort of influencers and young people who do sort of bear their skin and show their vulnerabilities are part of this sort of process. I think absolutely. And this, you know, I, I think one thing that I think has been really powerful is, you know, dermatologists even talking about their skin issues. I think we've we've had lots of dermatologists who I've talked to who've been very open about issues they've had. It sort of shows you that you know, if if having perfect skin was something that's within your control and easy to to make happen, then there wouldn't be any dermatologists with skin issues but that's not the reality my children always blame me for that for any skin issues they get they think like, well, they think i should sort them all out straight away um, yeah it is a shame we can't wave that magic wand i know and i think there are some skin issues which are we do we do know are really difficult to, to live with you know we, and and it's often even the hidden ones so psoriasis although it's a pretty common disease is often hidden because it's often in the areas that are protected by clothing or people with psoriasis will wear clothes to cover up their skin which does seem really sad because it's not something which people would would mind looking at or should mind looking at it but i did have one patient young patient describe her psoriasis as her dirty little secret which just makes oh. you feel so sad that it's something that she feels she has to keep to herself in that way and and i guess we we do know that some of these skin conditions can not just impact you and your teens but have a a impact on the whole way you live your life which is one of the other really important reasons why we should talk about skin to this age group with this age group and provide appropriate support for them yeah i mean i completely agree i think it's 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 devastating when people with skin disease say that they they can't live their lives as normal or they feel they can't live their lives as normal maybe they stop doing things they enjoy because you know for example maybe sports because they Mm. want to or swimming because they want to be able to hide uh the signs of their their skin disease that's a real tangible benefit of people being open Mm. you know it's not for everybody being open about the skin disease i completely understand that i don't want to set expectations and and say that this everybody should be doing this if if they're not comfortable with it but i do think it's a tangible benefit that when high profile people are open about their skin issues and comfortable showing the the effects can perhaps it can help young people maybe be less intimidated by doing things completely that put them you know put themselves out there you know it, it, it is intimidating it is but i suppose if it's making you not do something then in the end you're the one that's suffering which is as you said matt easier said than done but if it's meaning you're not going to go swimming something you enjoy something which you feel which makes you feel good and you're not doing that anymore then i would be i'm worried about you and the impact on you i don't care about the other people at the swimming pool and um and in a way it's sort of moving towards that place where you you can make sure that you're not losing your life through avoiding things so it's a kind of you know you can get into a kind of avoidance trap where you stop doing things which are which you enjoy even when there's no reason to i mean there are times you know when your ex is really bad and you feel rubbish and your skin's really itchy you, you don't want to do anything and that's totally understandable but there are times when you end up avoiding I know young people end up avoiding things that they kind of want to do and then they just miss out on so many opportunities so it's kind of trying to sort of stop that as early as you can I think it's interesting the celebrities because I know from some of my patients that yes that is helpful but also there's a kind of mismatch in expectations so a model with vitiligo she's beautiful so they'll go well I've got vitiligo but I'm not beautiful so it sort of mm. does can can have can have impact both ways I think it's yeah it's a start of a positive process of acceptance of lots of you know being different in lots of ways but it, it certainly doesn't always make people feel brilliant or they'll think that the Kardashians have um got rid of their psoriasis because they've got more money than them or you know so there are some sort of complexities there but certainly yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a positive start <laughs> yeah I think that's a really 
good caveat to raise it's never completely straightforward and simple and thanks for mentioning that but yeah that's a really important point but i guess just starting to open the dialogue and like it's a good starting point as you said i think more probably does need to be done but we're getting there hopefully i think we are and i I think these conversations are helping and i think that again understanding that it's um that feeling down and feeling worried about yourself is also something you can, you know, something that is, is very common and something that you can get support with if it's if it's really having an impact on you. And that sort of dialogue about not wanting to just be strong and cope all the time and that feeling vulnerable, feeling sensitive is, is okay is also a really important part of this. So Tess, what would you say to, to doctors, healthcare professionals who are interested in, in learning a little bit more about how they can support adolescent patients? So we've, we've tried to put together, uh, there's a resource section on the British Society of Paediatric Dermatology, which is part of the British Association of Dermatology. And on the BSPD website, we've got a, a section on adolescent um, dermatology, including information on how to set up a, a a clinic um, but also all the resources um, for young people and there's also going to be a section at the world congress of pediatric dermatology which is due to be held in edinburgh this year in september and there's a, a whole i mean this is going to be a fantastic conference but there's a whole section on adolescent dermatology at this conference there's plenty of resources for health workers as well and as i said we've also just published this work uh, in bmj open on what young people want from health workers and the two you know, requests from young people to health workers were to give more information and to address the emotional impact yeah addressing the emotional impact is is really important i know that you've mentioned that uh, in your service for young people in oxford you have open access to a psychologist to help with the emotional impact of their condition and to help with the management of their skin which i think is brilliant and definitely something that i'd like to see emulated around the country um it's it's a really great initiative well i think that's a perfect note to finish on thank you so much for joining us today tess you were fantastic and uh, i'm sure that everything you said today will be really helpful to young people so thank you thank you so much well thanks to our fantastic guest dr tess mcpherson that was really eye-opening yeah it was a really good episode i think tess has got a lot of really helpful things to say and obviously cares about communicating with with young people and teenagers and and communicating with other healthcare professionals about Mm -hmm. how to provide dermatology advice and services with adolescents which is a really core group of people Mm -hmm. you know it's so is really challenging as we talked about having to deal with some of the the changes that you deal with during your teenage years and beyond so i thought that was really interesting i really enjoyed our chat about social media i I know in some cases we were perhaps in over our head Um, (laughs) absolutely but but, you know it's good to touch on it and talk about it you know the positives and the negatives and just a really fun interesting episode i think yeah absolutely unsurprisingly we did focus quite a lot on acne uh, as we predicted but i thought tess did a good job on she touched on psoriasis and alopecia mm. and, and other skin conditions like that and it's easy to single out acne because it's so common and it's such a common experience that i do think it's helpful laying down uh, something that that people can relate to but yeah really interesting yeah. so what's coming up next oh uh, well uh, in two weeks time we we will be talking about dermatology and the environment so please do join us fantastic talking about in over our heads and talking about <laughs> tackling big subjects i can't wait i mean it's going to be great it's going to be a good one <laughs> <laughs>